the book of James tonight, if you would, James chapter number one, and we're going to start a new series in the book of James, and I'm interested, uh, as we studied for it, James is an unusual book because James is the brother of Jesus, and James was not a believer. I mean, can you imagine living with the Savior and still not being a believer? Now, he ended up being a believer, but he didn't start out that way. And so James chapter 1, the Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, or nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the, the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted but the rich in that he is made low. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Verse 11, for the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower uh, thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. And I mentioned it before that uh, James was the Lord's brother, but he was, not, he was a devout Jew. And so this, this epistle or this letter is written to the Jew and, and uh, of course, we, uh, to us as well. But I, I said this, imagine, I just couldn't imagine living with the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing all that he did uh, and not being a believer. But that shows you the power of religion and how religion uh, will really cause someone to believe more in their religion than they do the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did come to know the Savior, but not until the risen Lord sought him out did James realize how wrong he was about Jesus. And that's really where we all are. Uh, a lot of folks will have an idea or an intellectual knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not that James didn't know who he was as far as uh, seeing the miracles, but there was something inside. And that, that's what religion does to you. It, it makes you believe in a dogma. It makes you believe in rules and regulations and even rituals, but there's no relationship. And so even among uh, what we would consider Bible-believing Baptists, if we're not careful, Brother Johnny, to be honest, we have no relationship with Christ. We just think that, well, if I don't do certain things, I'm okay with God. But what he desires is an intimate relationship with us. And James was a man whom the church at Jerusalem much loved and honored. So James's letter is written from a perspective of belief that behaves. I want to say that again, a belief that behaves. Now, now, as you study the Word of God, uh, you realize that being saved does not give you a license to sin. And so James is saying that if we are truly, if we truly have faith, there'll be evidence in the way we behave uh, that we'll be like the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, his teachings are practical and seem to be uh, an exposition of the Sermon on the Mount. He echoes a lot of what Jesus says. And so in this scripture, verses 1 through 11, he deals with that testing for a purpose. Now, 
uh, automatically when we think about testing, we, we realize that if you're in school and you have to take a test, it is uh, actually making you recall what you know. Right? I mean, that's the purpose of a test. To, so you can bring out and, well, we learned 2 plus 2 is 4. And, of course, today's math, it may be 5. Who knows, right? But 2 plus 2 is 4, and so you're supposed to know that. So the test is doing nothing but saying, okay, here's the material uh, that you're supposed to know, and now we're going to see if you know it. Well, that's the way trials are. We're supposed to trust the Lord, and trials really prove whether or not we do. And so that's what he's dealing with. And so he deals in verses 1 through 11 with this thing of testing, and it's for a purpose. God always does things for a reason. Now, sometimes we don't understand the reasoning, right? Sometimes we question the reasoning, but God always has a purpose in what he does. So if you're going through trials in your life, understand that God has a purpose in it. Now you say, well, that doesn't make sense to me, preacher. I don't know what they are, and until God reveals to me what they are, how can I trust him? Well, you've got the cart before the horse. You've got to trust, and then maybe God will reveal later to you why he allows you to go through those trials. And if he never does, guess what? That's okay. You say, I can't operate like that. Well, that because you're operating by sight, not by faith. See, faith is I don't have to understand, I just need to follow, right? Abraham, when God told him to leave his country, he didn't tell him the whole picture of where he was going. He just said, leave, and Abraham left. And as Abraham followed, the Lord made that path more evident to him. And so we have to be the same way. If you're going to operate your life by only what you can see and what you know, you're not going to go very far in trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. So it really gets to the point is, does he know more than I do? And so if he does, then I just got to go. Well, it's like this. Now, you, uh, uh, it's amazing to me, Brother Johnny, how many folks go to the doctor, and the doctor can tell them anything he wants to tell them, and they're going, okay, well, the doctor said this, I'm going to do it. Now, a doctor has limited knowledge. Some of you, uh, how many of you, uh, your New Year's resolution was to eat better, and you've already blown it? I raised my hand on that one, Amen. Yeah, but some people, they want to get in shape, and they'll hire a trainer, and the trainer will say, okay, you got to do this, and this many times, and it hurts, and you're looking at him going, no, this is painful, but you do it, why? Because you assume that he or she knows more than you do, and, and that the pain that you have to go through is going to get you to the goal that you're trying to get to. Well, there's no different with trials. The, the difference is the Lord knows all things, and we're limited in knowledge. So James is dealing with that, and, and he tells us why we go through trials. First of all, number one, it, it is for our enlargement. In other words, God wants us to grow. Amen? I mean, the whole idea of us being saved and, and maturing is that we would grow. And so the Bible said in verse uh, uh, 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now, I don't know about you, that takes a mature Christian to go through trials and temptations and count it all joy. Because most of us, if we're honest, when we go through things, we, we don't count it all joy. I mean, just the, the smallest little hiccup in our plan, and we're looking at God going, I can't, I, listen, I, I just can't get over this, right? I mean, I can't trust uh, that, that you got the next step because I'm not understanding. I'm trying to serve you, and I'm in church, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying, reading my Bible. I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing, yet you're allowing things in my life that I don't understand. 
So that one verse in verse number two, where most of us, let's be honest, we're, we're blown out right now. But here's the thing, Brother Shane, if we'll understand that and not make excuses like, well, I'm just human, and so therefore, if we'll understand our weakness and realize that God is wanting to get us from where we are to where he wants us to be, then we can grow. And, and so these, these trials, he says, knowing this in verse 3, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So these, these trials, this testing is for our enlargement, but they are intended to move us. I mean, let's be honest. Most people, if they're comfortable, they don't move. Right? Right? I mean, if you're, it's getting cold and, and uh, you know, if, you, if you've got this big blanket on you and, and uh, you're underneath it and you're comfortable and you're sitting on the couch and, and uh, you know, you get thirsty, if you got kids, you'll say, hey, go get me something to drink. Because you're comfortable, right? And spiritually, it's the same way. If, if we never get uncomfortable, we rarely move. Why do we not have revival? I'll tell you why, because we're comfortable. We don't seek God, right? Why is it we don't pray like we should? Because we're comfortable. Why don't we, why don't we seek God like we should? Well, because we're comfortable. So it jolts us out of our comfort zone, and the way we react tells us much about our spiritual condition. Well, that's what James is saying. He said, count it all joy. Well, if you can't count it all joy which many of us cannot, right? Didn't say count it part joy, all joy means the whole thing. Then it tells us we're not as strong spiritually as we think we are. Yeah, but preacher, I follow all the rules. But, but this is a test of our spirituality. Anybody can follow rules. But when the trials come, can you, can you count it all joy? Right? So temptations here refers to trials, trials in your life. And so divers, manifold means many types. It's not just one type. We're all faced with different trials. Here's, here's the challenge. Ready for this? We normally think that the trial we go through is much worse than the trial someone else goes through. Right? You know how many times I've heard people say this? Well, until you've been through what I've been through, I don't, I don't want your advice. Well, let me say this, I don't have to go through what you go through to give you God's word. Amen. Right? I mean, I mean, I understand if I'm giving you my personal opinion, if I've not gone through what you've gone through, then you can say, well, you know what? You don't know because you've not been there. But, but if you're given the word of God, you either have to say that's true or I'm just not living by it. Right? And so divers means different types. It's not. Notice this, the Bible said, count it all joy. What's that next word? When? Doesn't say if, says when. So do we still believe God's word's inspired and perfect, forever settled in heaven? So what's that tell me that you're going to go through some? So am I, right? Not not if, when you go through them. And so trials are a part of the journey. You're not going to get you 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 can't become like Christ without trials. So they're they're intended to move us. But then, notice this in verse 3, they're intended to mellow us. What do you mean by that? Notice what the Bible said. Knowing this, that the trying of your patience worketh what? Or the trying of your faith worketh what? I gave you the answer. If you got it wrong, it's your fault. I gave you the answer. What is patience? Just 
even killed, right? So, so trials teach us patience. So how many times you heard this? Don't, don't pray for patience. You know why? Because it comes with trials. The trying of your faith worketh. It's not instantaneous. It's a work that takes place that God does in us. So it keeps us from oversteering. Now, we're talking about snow. Uh, just and Brother Paul, being, being from Michigan, he laughs at us when it snows at all, or they even call for it. They call school off. And, you know, if, if it starts snowing, people just run off in the ditch. It doesn't even have to be on the road. They just run off in the ditch. But why do people have trouble driving in the snow? Because when they start sliding, you know what they do? A lot of times they oversteer, which means they go too far in the other direction. What do we do when we go through trials? A lot of times we oversteer, don't we? Right? We, we go too far in the other direction. Right? I've heard people say, I'd rather be too far right than too far left. I'd rather be right where I'm supposed to be. Right? And, and so we have to be careful. God expects us to endure trials cheerfully. Now, we probably need to have an altar call, don't we? Because most people, Brother Sean, do not endure trials cheerfully. Now, I know it's hard. Some of you look at me like, this is just way out there, preacher. You're in a whole different Bible than what I got. No, I'm in the same one you're in. We just don't like to hear this kind of stuff because God's saying, listen, if you can't go through trials cheerfully, then you need to spend more time with him so we can grow. Doesn't mean you, it's not, doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean, hey, it means you're human. And, and, but we can't accept that as just, well, that's just the way it is. God wants us to be more mature, and the way he does that is through trials. And so these Christians were being persecuted for their faith. James saying, listen, you're going to go through some trials, but do them cheerfully. Well, we go to the doctor, and the doctor says, listen, you, 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 got, you, you got the flu. Miss Ellen, put me on the prayer chain. I got the flu. I'm going through some trials. You got the flu, right? These folks were dying for their faith. Right? Put me on the prayer chain. I had a bad day at work. Well, welcome to the human race. Y'all pray for me. Everybody doesn't like me at work because I'm a Christian. Welcome to the human race, right. right? Some of the trials we go, and again, they're divers. They're different. That's right. but, but notice what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you're being persecuted for believing in Jesus Christ. Now, now be cheerful when you're being persecuted. Right. Right. How are we doing? Well. See, they're intended to move us and to mellow us, but they're intended to mature us, yes, Right? Testing is a process. Doesn't happen one time it's over. It's a continuous thing until we get to heaven. So it goes on until full maturity occurs. Well, when does that happen? When you draw your last breath. I mean, the Apostle Paul said he's not yet apprehended. In other words, he hadn't got there yet. If he hadn't got there, I know I haven't gotten there. And probably you haven't gotten there. So, so these trials, God is never in a hurry and does things his way on his timetable. How many times do we say, now God, I, I, I'm coming to you, right? Now I've got this problem, I need you to take care of it, like right now. Yeah. Yesterday would have been better. Well, you, you're not going to rush God. That's right. yes, sir. One day is as a thousand years. 
So he's on a whole different time frame than we are. What, see, what you're going through right now and this trial you're going through that you, you think is so, so terrible you don't know how you're going to get through it, God's looking at the big picture and saying, okay, if I can move, if I can move Brother Johnny from here to here with this trial, that's growth. But he's not done. So later on, I'm going to move him here. And he sees the big picture. And all you do is see, you, you and I see this little speck of time right now that we're uncomfortable. Right? We're uncomfortable. So therefore, we're saying, God, get me out of it. And God's saying, listen, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to refine you. I'm trying to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so he lets us go through testing and trials for our enlargement or for our growth, but also in verse 5 through 8, for our enlightenment. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, that, that's different. You seek knowledge, you ask for wisdom said that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him for let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let no man uh, let not that man notice what it said let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord well that puts a whole new spin on praying doesn't it saying listen you're going to waver, I'm not going to answer. Right? So our enlightenment, in verse 5, wisdom is required. See, in your flesh, in your intellect, you're not going to understand why you go through things, but through God's wisdom you will. Remember, you go back to the book of Job, and Job finally got to the place, he said, God, why? You know how God answered him? Who? He said, Job, where were you at? Where were you at when I formed the earth, right? So when we ask why, we ought to be asking who. It's a mark of growth when we stop asking why and start asking who, right? When we stop saying, God, why are you letting this happen to me? And we realize that the who of it is God saying, listen, I'm trying to make you like Jesus Christ. You don't, you don't, people say, well, is it wrong to ask why? Let me ask you this, why? Why are you asking? Because we want a license to question God and when we don't understand and say, well, is it okay? Maybe. Why are you asking? Is it to understand? Or is it to say, God, I don't think this is right. You're letting this happen to me. And then if God doesn't answer your why, with, he'll answer with a who, right? I don't, I don't have to answer you. You just need to follow me. Ever happened to you, it's happened to me, right? So it's a mark of growth when we stop asking why and just say, Lord, who? Why, why not me, right? Instead of saying, why me? Ask, why not me? Why are we better than the Christians uh, over in the Middle East, right? Why, why are we better uh, than Christians that are suffering in the hospital? Why do we think we're better uh, than Christians that are going through trials in their life, but then when they happen to us, and we give them some, some nice little, well, listen, we're praying for you, you know, trust the Lord, trust the Lord, but then when it happens to you, then all of a sudden life ends, right? So wisdom has to do with the applying, applying the circumstances of life to Christian living, right? If I understand that God's doing it for my good, then, then I can understand wisdom. 
right? If I, if I step back and say, okay, God, why are you doing it? Why, what are you trying to teach me? What, what area in my life are you trying to refine that I'm more like? That's a whole lot different than why are you letting this happen to me because I'm trying to serve you. See, some folks can never have victory because they're always asking why. Why? Why, is it, why do I got to go through it, right? Why, why does this happen to me? Why, why, are, why? I'm trying to serve you. Why me? Why me? Why me? Why not you? Right? Why not me? I just saw this, uh, I guess it's New Year's Eve. Uh, I, I don't know the folks, but uh, I think it's a preacher and his wife were singing somewhere and they were in a car accident and she died. Why? I mean, they, they weren't out drinking, right? They weren't out partying. They were out serving God. Why? You know, little, little uh, the Rochesters, little baby, why, why does that kid have cancer? They're out serving God, right? We don't know. But if we spend all our time asking why, then we miss that God's trying to refine us. So wisdom is required, but then wisdom is received. The Lord said this, let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth like a wave of the sea. In other words, in verse 5, I'm sorry, he said, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. So he's not saying I'll give to some men and not to others. He said, if you'll come asking me for wisdom in the right way, I'll give to all of you. Now, wonder what happened. We had a church full of people that had the wisdom of God that every time they went through a trial in life, they said, well, it must be God's trying to teach me something. And it, it changed things a lot, wouldn't it, Brother Eddie? Yes, Amen. So God does not scold us for our lack of wisdom or asking. He's not telling us. He's telling us to ask. So if you lack wisdom, God's saying, that's okay. Ask me and I'll give it to you. But don't be the type of person that steps back and says, I don't need God's wisdom. So much of the wisdom we need is found in his word. I was thinking about this today, Brother Jimmy. The people that normally ask me for the most counseling, ready for this, are the people that come to church the least. The people that ask me, Preacher, I need, to, I need some counseling. Are usually the people that come to church the least. Why? Because when you preach the Bible, God answers a lot of questions. Now, I'm not saying that if you come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you said, Preacher, I need to sit down and talk with you, I'd sit down and talk with you. But let's be honest. How many times have you heard a message, maybe not from this pulpit, maybe you know you turn on the radio and all of a sudden you got all these questions or going through something in your life and God, uh, somebody preaches something or says something and you go, all right, that helped me. Right? Sometimes, sometimes listen, how many times you sat and, and uh, preacher's preaching a message and he's not even preaching on what you, you're dealing with and God's speaking to your heart. Right? All you got to do is ask. Yes, sir. God, give me, wis- give me wisdom on how to, to go through this trial. Give me wisdom on how to view this trial. Give me wisdom on how to, how to be, a, be cheerful in this trial. That's not, see, being cheerful in a trial is not natural. That's right. You with me? Yes, sir. And we like to operate in the natural right. instead of the supernatural. Yeah, right. It's a whole lot easier for us to say, well, you don't understand. I'm just not that way and just be done with it than to say, you don't understand I'm not that way. I need God to help me. Yes, sir. Right? 
And so wisdom is received, but then wisdom is refused. What's it mean? The Bible said, let him ask in faith nothing, nothing wavering. Faith, if I'm asking in faith, I'm believing God's going to give it to me. Amen. How many times do we pray and don't believe God's going to do it? Right. Well, you just sealed your faith, right. right? Why ask if you don't think God's going to do it, right? right? So he's saying, you, some of you are asking, uh, asking for wisdom, but you're asking wavering. And said, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. That's, what, that's how a lot of Christians are, Brother Kenneth. I mean, this is how their Christian life is, right? When things are good, they're on the mountaintop praising God. Things are bad, they're in the valley, right? Woe is me. And God's saying, listen, I want you to be like this the whole time. Life is going to go like this. But if I realize that this is as much a learning experience as this, then I can go like this and say, God's trying to teach me something, so I'm just going to keep going. See, the problem is this is a whole lot quicker to get to the destination than following the highs and lows. That takes longer, right? So I'm just, I'm just saying that when we refuse God's wisdom, it requires receiving God's wisdom requires following certain rules. And here's what it said. One reason that we waver, that we don't get God's wisdom is because of indecision. You, you, see, you got to decide to follow God no matter what. You can't, you can't decide to follow God when things are good. you got to decide to follow God now because if not, every time things are not good, you'll stop following God. Or the opposite. There's a lot of folks that the only time they won't follow God is when things are bad. Things are good, you can't find them. Right? Things are bad. You see them, they come to church when things are bad, but you let God start blessing them, then you don't see them. Right? And so God's saying, listen, you, you gotta you gotta make a decision and you gotta stick with it. And I listen, I've been doing this a while. There, there's been people, and, and again, I'm human like you are. I see some folks walking door, I'm like, that's about the 11th time, right? And they're welcome. We won't help them. There's something back in your mind going now. Is it going to be longer this time? And usually, they say, I just had to get back in church. Had something going on in my life. And then once that turns, they're gone, Right? I don't get discouraged with that. I used to. Brother Brad, I used to get up. Well, I don't know. I just look at If we can help them while they're here, we'll help them. Yes, but I do, I do know this. The people that get the most help are the ones that just stay in and say, look, I'm, I'm deciding today I'm going to serve God no matter what. Highs and lows, ups and downs, bad times, good times. He's still God. He still saved me. I'm still unworthy. Amen. He still uh, blessed me with grace and mercy and long-suffering. I'm not in hell. I think I'm just going to serve him. Uh, right? I, those are usually the ones that, you know, when they go through trials, you're going, man, I, how can they be so cheerful? Because they ask for wisdom. And God started revealing, hey, maybe he didn't reveal all the, the ins and outs of every trial, but he said, listen, I'm doing this for your good. I'll give you this example. 
How many times when you were going through a trial, you question God, right? You're frustrated. God, why? And then later on down the road, you look back and you saw what God did. And by that trial, he kept you out of a bigger mess. Yes, sir. Right? Boy, it hurt when you was going through it. But you look back and you're going, boy, I sure am glad I went through that. Takes wisdom when you're in the trial to say, okay, God, I don't understand it. I don't really have to, but I'm going to keep serving you. I'm not going to question you. I'm just, I'm just going to know that you know better than I do, right? right? And that's hard because let's be honest. Till you're about dead, you don't have enough wisdom. Most people don't have enough wisdom to be like that, right? right. 40, 50 years old, we still think we know what's best, yes, Right? We get on these teenagers and say, well, they, don't, they just don't understand. Man, if they just listen to me, well, won't you, I want you to see sometimes how hypocritical that is. We say that to them, but then God, who, in our mind, I mean, let's be honest, we're limited. Brother, oh, we're limited in what we know, yet we look at them and say, well, I know more than you do, so you ought to listen to me, right? And by the way, teenagers, you should. Right. Amen. But then a perfect heavenly father who has perfect knowledge tells us something and we go, "Mm -mm, I know what's best for me. Why are you telling your kid that they don't know what's best for them, but then you're going to turn around and tell a God, your God who loves you, who has created everything, has perfect knowledge. I think you're wrong on this one. (laughs) Right? You're right when Brother Jimmy goes through the trials, but you're wrong when I go through them, right? Brother Jimmy, Brother Jimmy needs to mature. I don't. No. We all do. So then number three, God allows us to go through those trials for our enhancement. Notice verse 9. He said, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Well, that doesn't make sense. Low degree exaltation. Verse 10, but the rich in that he is made low because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away for the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat but it withereth the grass and the flowers thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. So here's here's what he's saying. In verse 9, he tells us to rejoice in advancement. What do we mean by that? What others think of low estate is exalted by God. Why? Because normally the person of low estate has to rely on God. I mean, the Bible says this. It said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. What's he saying? Well, again, we ain't talking about the needle the thread goes in. You have to know a little bit about Jewish culture. There was a gate, right, that was short. And after the gates of the city were locked, you could go in that gate. It was a smaller gate, right? It was called the eye of the needle. Imagine a camel. I don't know if you've ever seen one. They're pretty tall. Having to get down and crawl inside that gate. It's not impossible but it's difficult. So what is he saying? It's not impossible for a rich man to enter heaven. 
It's difficult. Why? Because remember the rich young ruler? He said, Lord, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? He said, well, keep these commandments. He said, all those I did for my youth. He said, one thing you lack. Sell everything you got, give it to the poor. And, and here's, the, here's the key. Come and follow me. The selling everything was just, he was, he was taking that idol out of his way. He was taking the thing that was most important. And he could have sold that, but if he didn't follow Jesus, he was still no better. He was just a, he was a, he was a poor sinner instead of being a rich sinner. So what he's saying was, listen, you got to follow me. So it's not impossible. And that's what he's saying, that we're to rejoice that the, the person that is of low degree normally has to depend on the Lord more or at least has the mindset I have to depend on God than someone who has enough to meet all their own needs. And that's not just financially, right? Sometimes intellectually we're that way. Sometimes with our health that way. I mean, let's be honest. If, if the doctor rolls in, you go to the doctor tomorrow and say, listen, you got cancer. You know what you're going to do? You're going to say, I need to pray. I need to ask everybody I know to pray. But you go to the doctor and he gives you a good report. You don't ask anybody to pray for you. Right? I mean, I don't. Maybe we should. Hey, Brother Johnny, help me pray. I keep that good report, Amen. right? And so a lot of times when we go through those trials, it breaks us down to where we have to trust God, That's right? right? I mean, when you're, when you're in the hospital on your back and they're saying, we don't know what's wrong with you, you know who you're going to trust? God. Right. When you lose your job and they're saying, hey, we're downsizing, we can't pay you, and you know, you got payments to make and all this stuff, you know what you're going to do? You're going to trust God. When your kids go astray or, you know, some, you know, you trust God, you, you, you pray. Amen. And so it's not just financially, they're using, he's using that example to say, listen, when, we're, when we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, we don't rely on God. And a lot of times God has to put us through those trials for a purpose to get us to the place that he enhances us that we become more like Christ. Listen. Right now, if we're honest in this country, we still got it pretty good. You said, no, we don't. Look how bad groceries are. But yeah, but you have been somewhere where there are more? Come on, Preach on. That's good. I don't remember when it was. It was uh, 2020, 2021, we went to Alaska. Ron, tell you what. They had a gas station in this little community. That was the grocery store. You asked Brother Jeff. A bag of Doritos was $7. That's back when they was like $2 here. I said, man, I'd have, to, I'd have to wing myself off of Doritos if I lived here. $7 a bag. Right? We paying a couple dollars for gas. What about a place where they're paying five, six, ten dollars $10? Right? Every time election comes up, we don't like who's in office. You know, we got to pray. We don't pray. America, this America's, it's it for America if we don't pray. Well, how come when whoever we want to win wins, we don't pray? We're comfortable, right? So we have to rejoice in this advancement that God's saying, listen, I'm making you more like Christ because you have to rely on him. And then also, it's the rejoice in adversity. Well, not about you, but that ain't easy. I'll say this. Adversity comes to everybody. 
You can, you can be the quote-unquote perfect Christian, and you're going to go through adversity. Yes, sir. Now, here, here's what the devil will tell you. You're the only one. You're the only one. Here's what the devil will tell you. Yours is worse. So what we do, and here, here's, here's, the, here's the difference. I promise you, if we went around the room and asked everybody in this room, probably just about everybody would say they're, they're facing some trials. Now, they're going to be different, right? And some of you look at it and go, well, that ain't no trial, right? Well, maybe they're, they're at a different spiritual level than you are. Then some would tell you their trials. You, I don't know how in the world they can even come to church going through some of that. Well, maybe they're a different level of maturity. And don't please don't take that wrong. I'm not I'm not critical of you. But I think the reality of it is we have to we have to realize that we're not all spiritual giants. And wherever you are, whatever spiritual level you are, is not to be embarrassed about. It's to start growing, right? That's the, that's the progress we're to make. So often those who have more feel more of the effects when they go through trials, right? Now I'll give you an example. If you've never, if you're used to being hungry, right, and you're hungry, it's different than someone who's never been hungry. That's right. Right? right? If you, how many of you know this? So, do you remember, this is going to blow the kid's mind. Does anybody remember a time when there was no internet? Right? Life went on. But you let the internet go down at your house and life stops, right? If, you, if you've never been without it, it's different than if you have. I remember we, we bought our, well, it wasn't our first house. We bought a house we was going to fix up and didn't have air conditioning in it. Man, I mean, it it was awful. We had window units in the bedroom. We had one in the den. We lo- it looked like a crack house. We had quilts over trying to keep the air in there, you know. And I remember Ellen's mama coming in one time. She said, well, I remember when, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have air. I said, well, that's good for you, but I've always had air conditioning, praise God. <laughs> when you had it and then you don't have it, that's a whole lot different, Right? I preached for Brother Wesley Hutchins when I was in Jamaica. He didn't have no air condition. I thought there was a hole in the earth somewhere and there was heat coming out in that room I was in. But same thing with trials, right? If you, if you, if you don't have a lot and you lose it, it's different than when you had a lot. I, I say that in a lot of different areas. Because here, here's the danger, right? There's some people in our church, they're just getting 
But Shane, they're just getting to where they're understanding the person of God. Right? They're they're just getting to where they're understanding a little touch revival, God moving, things like that. And and we'll sing a song to go, it'll hit them. God will speak their heart and be like, oh, that's good. And so they're not as far along as, well, maybe they're farther along than some. The danger becomes the the longer you've been saved and you hear that, right? It becomes commonplace. Well, when you lose it, it's harder to get back, right? And same thing, when, when, when you're going through trials and, you know, the danger is the more mature you are, the more you should be trusting God. But it's often the younger Christians, right, that have learned to trust God more, and they're like, okay. Sometimes we have this mentality, I've been serving God a long time. God, why are you letting this happen? Well, you're farther down the road, so you should be able to trust him more, right? I'll give you this example when I'm done. So we've all remember, we all remember the account of Jesus walking on the water, right? We all remember the disciples in the boat, many of them were fishermen. Was it that or was it when Jesus was in the back of the boat and said, Master careth not that we perish? Well, they they thought they were going to die, right? Well, Jesus already told them they were going to the other side, so they had to go to the other side because he said it. You say, well, I don't know why they wouldn't trust him. Well, because of the storm. What do you think? Do you think when they were being martyred for the cause of Christ, they were being killed for what they believe, do you think when they looked back on that boat ride, it was all that big a deal then? No. When they were in it, it was a big deal. They saw Jesus walk on the water. They saw Jesus speak to the storm and calm the storm. So they're going, this guy's different. Well, now they're being killed for their faith. So they had to trust him, right? And so what they thought was a big trial way back then, when they're getting ready to kill you, a boat ride doesn't seem like that big a deal. What I'm saying is what you're in now, the storm you're in now, seems like it's going to kill you. But God's preparing you for bigger storms down the road. And so if you can learn to be cheerful in this storm, then you can be cheerful in the next storm. But you're looking down the road saying there's no way I can do that. Well, you haven't got through this one yet. Right? What we got to do is trust God now in the storm and trial you're in now and saying, I don't care about the one that's coming up. Right now, I just need to have faith in him now because the process is right now, I'm going through this one and the next one's probably going to be bigger. But the whole thing is the plan of God to make me more like Christ. That's what James is saying. He's telling people that are being 
persecuted for their faith. Listen, just be cheerful because God's got a plan. Well, if he can tell them that, he can tell us that. We're not being persecuted for our faith. Not, not in that, in that same, same way. So tonight, whatever trial you're in is for a purpose. Now, if you say, preacher, what's the purpose? You missed the whole message tonight. I don't have to know the purpose. The big purpose is to make me more like Christ. And how he does that, since I'm bought with a price, Brother Sean, since I'm, he's, he's bought me, since he died for me and purchased me, he don't have to tell me anything. So James is trying to get us to the place because later on he talks about our behavior and how our belief affects our behavior. But see, if you can't ever get past the trials, you can't behave according to your belief until you understand the trial is for the purpose of God refining you. So there's James chapter 1. Let's gather around the altar and pray tonight and close out the service.